Hairdressers with clients are the real influencers. Hello and welcome to Salonomics. I am your host Joe Mehmet, calling from Isleton, and my co-host who lives in sunny South Bend and Sea. Say hello to my little pony, Sparkles, Mr. Aaron Dawn. <laughs> hello Aaron, how are you doing mate? Little pony Sparkles. <laughs> you like that, dear? I do like that. There's something quite camp about that. Yeah, well, okay, well you made me drink his kind last week. Well, yeah, listen, yeah. I mean, <laughs> is there not more of a monolithic dominant... Uh, tyrant than Genghis Khan. I thought you'd have liked that title. Well, I mean, Genghis Khan has a great title, but you know, the thing about Genghis Khan, that he was a tyrant, but how the West portrayed he was a great military leader. That's the thing, you know. Isn't there some ridiculous stat about like 90% of the world is, you know, their bloodline comes from Genghis Khan? I think one in every seven, one in every seven has got Genghis Khan DNA. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he was busy. He was a, yeah. a a busy guy. He knew how to multitask. That boy, didn't he? He, he did. I mean, the the thing, the, you know, a lot of people don't understand about Genghis Khan, right? That, that was, he actually sort of created the the birth of Christianity, right? Because because um, he started from the east, right? He went west, didn't he? He went towards the west, and from the west, right? People all gravitated from the east, all gravitated to the west, and they went to the Americas. So all all the great things that happen in in Western culture all stem from Genghis Khan. Otherwise, the the um, the, the West, right, the Europe as we know, right, we just live in the Middle Ages. Dark, well, not the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages. So right, it, there's okay. a little bit of history there. Okay, well, thank you for that. Uh, I must admit, um, you've taken it onto a religious thing already, which is amazing. But uh, I must admit, your your opening sequence, your intro, very professional. Very good. I like that. You like that. Um, anyway. Hopefully, the listeners will, you know, be able to give us a, a rating <laughs> on who does it best. And I, listen, if you want to do that for the the rest of the time, Joe, then you well, know, I just want to be a little to. bit of fun. I just have a little. You just wanted. You just wanted to call me a. What did you call me? Spark. My little Sparkle. pony sparkles. Yeah, look, my little pony. <laughs> okay. All right. That was a blow the belt. Joe, blow the belt. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> you'd have rare my sunshine. How about that? Oh, that's very nice of you to say so. A- anyway, get on to serious matters. Yes. So we've had it. We've had about a week now, right? So, mm. how's that sort of like save our salon campaign? Any any updates on that? You know what? I think we. I get. I close that brain loop every single time we kind of talk about it on the show because when we talk about something and we explore it. I kind of, I've got a category in my brain which is like, this is important or this isn't yeah. important. And after we spoke about it, I decided it was a waste of time, futile and wasn't important. So, I haven't really checked, but the powers of the internet allow me to check the petition. Um, okay. And the the longest running petition, uh, the reduced fat to 5% for the hair and beauty industry in line with hospitality, is at 27,965 signatures. Um, I think that's gone up maybe about, about 50 five, in a week. So Is it 50? I've, I've, I've been about three, 400. I would have maybe. Thought, so I, can't remember, I can't remember. I can't but remember still. either. So it's been about, what, six months on that now? Is it six it months? Is. It is, yeah. So, um, yeah. No, it's, it's yeah. That's five, come to an about, end then, About really. five months, so it's coming to an end. So it's like, I still 80,000 yeah. short. Um, uh, oh, um, uh, 
before we move on, just want to. You didn't uh, announce the Bitcoin price, Joe. Why? Why was that? Well, I, I, because the thing is, I was I was actually talking to someone about um, um, Tesla, um, Elon Musk, right? Mm. So I sort of said that um, Tesla saw like profits went up by sort of seven hundred and forty-two million dollars, mm. right? Whereas the the Bitcoin that they invest he invested billions of dollars, right, in Bitcoin, and that went up by sort of seven hundred twelve mm. uh, million. So I kind of like uh, for um, that the Tesla he's using Bitcoin right to prop up his Tesla, which I think is a scam in itself, really. No, I don't uh, think so. I think when he's his the his investment into Bitcoin is barely a one percent of his market cap. So I don't think he's using it prop up. Like I say, I think it's a lot of these CEOs are putting a percent of their treasury into Bitcoin as a hedge against inflation. You know, but inflation. You know Tesla shares, but Tesla shares went down down the last couple of days. You know that, don't you? You know everything's gone down the last couple of days, though, don't you? Yeah. Hence why Bitcoin is now only forty six thousand one hundred dollars. Um, you know that's so, come so off about fifteen percent. Uh, I think the sentiment in the globe. I think people are realizing as things are going to start opening up that the inflation's going to increase and it's just going to kind of damage everything. Do you know what I mean? Um, as as everything opens up and we get more idea of economic numbers and the real amount of people that are unemployed and the real amount of businesses that have closed. Do you know what I mean? It's not until we all open back up again do we really discover... So, so cash is keen then, really? Because cash is no, going to be very important. No, cash won't be important because, no? because the inflation essentially kills your cash. The, inflate, the 10% inflation rate that we're all expecting... Yeah. It essentially well, makes values. the cash that you hold by ten percent less. Yeah. yeah um, so values. this is this yeah. is the why so many people are getting into Bitcoin because they've realised the use case of Bitcoin or one of the use cases of Bitcoin is its hedge against inflation uh, over time. So anyway, that that was just an aside note. I just wanted to. Uh, yeah, just gotcha. I got. I gotcha. I yeah. gotcha. We, yeah, we 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 sort of need to just express this point out that. Um, Bitcoin is not doom and gloom, but it's on a positive still. It, it, it's it's like massively positive. It always thrives in chaos, and and that's why I think people, you know, they 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 invest into it. Do you know what I mean? Because that yeah. it, it always thrives in chaos. It was born in chaos. Uh, and anyway, it so what you got chaos. for us with the show today, then? Well. I'm in the process of writing a blog. Obviously, um, we've had one controlling idea of the shows over the last few weeks, and it's all been around this idea of VAT, inflation, and how they've affected salons um, over the last few years. Um, And recapping on our previous show, which was all about the Save Our Salons campaign and and this Chop the Bat scheme... um, we, can, I, can I just can I just interrupt you a little bit? There? Yeah, go on. Was I very harsh on on the salons like in our last show? Because I, I thought about it, I thought myself, was I very harsh in my assessment of them? In, in, in well, you know what? The reason why I mean, if you if you think you were harsh, then um, yeah, that means in your head, I think you're probably feeling guilty for something you've said. But 
it depends whether a week later you can look back on what you've said and go, maybe I was a bit harsh. You tell me. I don't think you was harsh. And, and the reason no, why I don't so. think you was harsh is because you're, you've got experience in this industry. That's you've right. been in the industry for 40 plus years. You, you've seen all of these cycles. You've been there. You've got the T-shirt. You're now a sovereign hairdresser because you're on the outside of the industry looking into itself. And, Whereas and, and, all and, and, these people that are complaining, mm. they're all in the industry and yeah. they're just complaining to themselves and they're in this negative feedback loop where they're all just complaining with each other and you're on the outside looking in and go, hey guys, it's really easy, the solution to your problems, it's X. But they can't yeah. see the wood for the trees because... They're in the middle of it, and you ain't. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So that, that's my opinion. I think you're no, giving no, very you logical and yeah, very you. effective, you know, ways out of the crisis. Yeah, thank you. No, no, okay, so sorry. Sorry, go, you go back to your point or you were sort of saying, sorry. Yeah, so, so it, is to, it is to basically, um, we were talking, we've been talking about Save Our Salons. We've been yeah. asking the question, um, you know, why are these elite salons, why are they complaining now? This was one of the things I got thinking about and it inspired me to write another blog about this last Saturday when we, when we finished recording last week's podcast. Um, and it really links into to something that I wrote last year where I dissected why am I going to cut hair in the salon when the amount of money that I earn from cutting hair in a salon, the government earns more of that money than I do. Yeah. And, you know, when I... You know, I remember showing you the blog and I'm like, this can't be right. And I remember you said something to me very profound and you were like, uh, I think I think the quote was something like this. It was like, people go to work to feed themselves, not feed the government. Mm. And straight away to me, that meant that, yeah, why the hell am I cutting hair in a salon when 33% of what I'm taking is going to the government and I'm on, I'm barely getting... 25% of that. So how on how we got to this situation where a freelancer can cut hair in a salon and everyone else gets rewarded more than the person doing that service themselves. So it got it, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole when I started exploring and doing the maths and all this kind of thing. You can see the blog. I will put a link to it in the show notes what I wrote last year, but really last show was a crystallization because obviously all of these things have linked linked together. The save our yeah. salons, the VAT, and and my conclusion was sal why aren't why are salons asking the question now about VAT when they've not bothered about that question for twenty plus years? But you know why they were but you know why they never asked that question before? Because they made people like me pay their VAT. VAT. That's right, that's right. So that's, it's never I, been an issue before. It's never been an issue. But and, now, and now it is now they don't have these staff that will pay their VAT, right? Because yeah. they're downsized. Yeah. They they got rid of, or they or the hairdressers have left themselves. Yeah. So, so that's there's there's your answer, I think. Don't you think? Or is there more um, more in depth uh, analysis analysis on it? Well, this is this is the conclusion I got to. Um, Go on. Now, yeah, they're asking the question now because. Decisions that salons have made over the past 10, 20 years with price increases have effectively 
made their business unviable in this climate. And the reason why is because every time a salon business puts its price up, and, and there is a, a fear of putting your price up for losing clients, which is inevitable, but you've always said to me, don't worry about the clients you lose. You know, you get new clients. You know, this, right. is, this is part of um, you eating yourself because you're essentially upgrading your clientele and you're upgrading your skill set because obviously you're now charging a higher price and someone will come in and pay and, that and this is the price. thing that I never understood with hairdressers that they would have, they would have retained their old clientele. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a whole it's an involving society we live in, right? You know, technology changes, mm. fashion changes, like and yet hairdressers want to keep the same clientele. That I never understood. Mm. Yeah, the mark of a great hairdresser, right? For me, was to keep reinventing yourself. I mean, you know me for what fifteen years, yeah. Mm. In those 50 years, you've never seen me stay in one place for more than five years, have you? No. Because I'm always challenging myself. I'm, I'm, I'm not as scared. I was never scared to go from one to another to another. Never yeah. scared. And you had some beautiful salons as well. You yeah. Burlington and Arcade as well, we first met. I mean, you know, that but, is really the pinnacle of any hairdresser's uh, career. Yeah. And yeah, yet but, you threw it away and you went and opened up an even better salon in Chelsea. And I was just like, right. wow. And, I was like, this was, guy's got balls. And there was, and there's before that. And, you know, and that's the thing that I understood, really, was the fact that keep it going. And even to this very day, right, as a, as a sort of uh, freelancer, mm -hmm. I'm building new clients. You know, I, I lost an awful lot since, since the lockdown. Mm -hmm. But I've got new ones again. And that's the thing about our industry. I don't understand why hairdressers need to retain that old clientele. Well, I'll anyway, tell you what it so is. I think I think there is this familiarity breeds contempt thing, right? And right, and yeah. this is part of part and parcel of the problem. Those clients that you started doing at the very early stages of your career, mm. and this is where inflation is so important to understand for in layman's terms. Inflation is essentially a pay cut yeah. on your salary, right? right and right. for people that don't understand that, reach out to me and I'll try and help you in more. But essentially, every time we experience inflation, that means the amount of money that you earn buys you less. Less, yeah. 10%, 8%. 10%, 8%. And, and generally, inflation on bread and milk is 2%. But inflation on the shit that you need, i.e. houses, medicine, uh, education for the kids, kids' school uniform, all of that every year for the past 15, 13 years since the financial crisis, every year stuff has gone up ten between 10 and 15%. And that yeah. is a fact. There's a lot of quant economists out there that are all figuring this out. Like I say, all of the data is on my blog. You can find it by going typing Google gosalon.uk and the, the blog is, is titled Inflation is Inevitable, so leverage your influence. And yeah. and this is this is the point of the this is a final point I want to make about it, Joe, is tying this back into why why I believe salon owners are complicit is because of this fear of not charging what you're worth. And every year, or every time, well, I mean, I've worked in salons that, that only, like, that didn't do pay uh, price increases for, say, three, four, five years at a time. Yeah. When, how often did you used to increase your prices, Once Joe? a year. 
once a year. So you did it every year without without yeah. foul. Yeah, which is you have, you have to. You yeah, know, inflation. You yeah. To. So I point out in this story that I noticed on LinkedIn um, that there was a lot of uh, vitriol towards L'Oreal because there was a LinkedIn status from L'Oreal basically saying how they were going to use influencers and spend millions of pounds on internet advertising. And yet, at the same time, people were on Facebook slagging L'Oreal up because they're putting their product prices up three and a half percent. You know, so they're they're paying the so that price increase is going to pay for the, the influencers and and internet spending. And so yeah, go on. no. So so I was going to say so essentially this L'Oreal they don't care about you because if they did they would listen to you and not put these prices up and be more generous and charitable but of course they're never going to be because they've got shareholders <laughs> and 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 all of this stuff but all these people that were complaining about l'oreal putting their prices up rather than complain take a leaf out of their book put your prices up not three and a half percent five percent ten percent because this is what we've experienced. This is why average wage in the industry is so low. Because for 10, 15, 20 years, salons haven't put their prices up, yet all of their expenses, electricity, rent, uh, business rates, products, sundries, minimum wage, all of these things have gone up. And yet salons at the bottom of the food chain haven't been putting their prices up. So they're essentially been giving themselves a pay cut every single year on top of the pay but cut that inflation how, gives you. So no wonder, how, so what I'm saying, one last point, that's why average wage in our industry is lower than yeah. someone who works for Tesco's, Aldi, Lidl, Sainsbury's. Yeah, I, and, I, and I could give you a perfectly good Can I? Example. Can I drop a mic there? Go on. Well said, I, I could have said it better, but let, let me add to, to your point there, because people don't really understand how Stalin owners operate right in, in in the fact that they they have a top hairdresser which is the uh, they give them the kudos the status mm. all right then they, they got the foot soldiers behind them and they got the apprentices and what they eventually do right is that they get the apprentices as quickly as possible on the floor mm. right to sort of do the blow dries do the uh, the, the walkies and things like that right they're the ones on a minimum wage all right. Mm. And eventually, when they get to a, bit, to a sort of certain level, right, they start building up a little clientele. So all of a sudden, the top, the top number one hairdressers, right, they, their clients still start to dwindle because they rather give to the, the, the cheaper staff than to sort of they give to the higher earner. You see? You right. understand what I mean? Yeah. Right? So eventually, they're making more money from the junior hairdresser than the, the higher earner. Right. Really. Is that is that a mistake in your opinion? Is it a mistake well, to do that? Well, it's it's not a mistake. It's just a part of evolving, really. That this is what I said to you earlier on, right? A hairdresser have to keep evolving, and to be in one salon all the time, you're going to lose. You eventually you're going to lose. And, and mm. any any hairdresser that has got an amazing clientele, and I always believe this: if you can build one clientele, you can build another clientele. Because it's it's a very simple formula to build a, to build an, um, a clientele, and if you could do it once, you could do it twice. So it's all about having your confidence in yourself and the ability in yourself, right, to do that again. I mean, I I, I didn't it didn't care. It didn't bother me if Mr. Smith went to Michael or Mr. Jones went to Denise or whatever to have their hair cut. 
right? Because mm. I know, thank God, I could get somebody else, you see. Whereas a lot of people, they get, oh, they get very protected. They get very, oh, this is my client. Anyway, that's, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why salons do tend to falter. But which, which is why I want to ask you another question, you know, which I want to sort of like um, grab on to about influencers. You talked about influencers. Yeah. Are, are influencers blaggers, scammers, or the real deal then? What would you think? Well, I think you've got to define the word, the term influencer, because obviously uh, most people understand the term influencer in today's society as someone that's got, I don't know, 50,000 followers on Instagram, right? Yeah. Um, so if you, if that's your understanding of an influencer, then, then yeah, you know, um, is it a scam? Probably. I would say probably 90% of these people that say that, that call, call themselves an influencer probably have are just faking it until they make it um and like i say i don't believe um an influence i don't believe you're an influencer unless you've got a clientele unless you've well, got a customer base well, uh, you, and, you, and obviously you always said to me you always yeah. said to me hey hairdressers with clients are the real influencers they're the real deal yeah they're the, the and, and they're the real deal and not only are they the real deal but they're the people that l'oreal are after yeah. They're after your clients. They're after the people that you have influence on. Now, if I've got 100,000 people uh, following me on Instagram, for example, and yeah. I go, hi, guys, really great shampoo. I think you should buy it. Yeah, maybe 100 people will buy that shampoo. I, I mean, whether it's as high as that, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a, a social well, media influencer. If, if, if I was Laurie Oldman, I'd, I'd be expecting more than 100, that's for I, sure. <laughs> precisely. Precisely my point, right? So it's it's about, it's it's always about the numbers. So, But yeah. if I'm a hairdresser that owns a salon that's got, you know, 500 clients coming in, then obviously there's a certain level of influence there because I'm going to be showing my products and wares to more people for longer rather than spending thousands of pounds on influencers to you know put up a 30 second commercial on instagram in with the noise of everything else it's like with the trade shows everyone everyone congregates at salon international where there's thousands of people that go and everyone's in the same space all screaming and shouting oh look at me look at my product look at my product and uh, do you know what i mean and mm. and sometimes i think because the the extortionate amount of how much you know salon international and excel charge for you to show your stuff there there's so much better ways to spend your money, um, you know, elsewhere yeah, rather than in an exhibition type scenario. Because once again, the inflation of the prices have far outweighed the actual profit margins and, and you know, the other rewards that are there. So when we criticise L'Oreal for spending millions on internet advertising, they're not spending millions on salons. No. And that's well, what people need to understand. Well, this is when I got into LinkedIn originally. What we talked about, didn't it? Because it's like when I got into saw LinkedIn and I saw all this sort of like um, virtual signaling by uh, Laurie about this and that. And I sort of said, well, what are you doing about the salon? What are you doing for mm. the salons? I, I, I was the only one actually beating the drum for salons for L'Oreal to actually invest their money into propping up these salons. Did mm. I get any accolade? Did I get any applause? Did I get any support? No, no. really. Because you, I get, you, the whole narrative is right, is that you get swallowed up, right, by all this, well done, Laurie, well done. Then. I mean, they've mm. been spending billions, right, on, on the environment. I think myself, 
How is that going to save salons? You, you well, know, it's okay. not. I mean, essentially, it's L'Oreal telling us that it's not personal, it's business. We business, are cutting yeah. you out of the loop, and your presence in the supply chain of retail is over. Well, they don't why, need yeah. the salons anymore. Yeah. They're bypassing salons, and they're going straight to influencers. So, so why, why are the salons still not waking up to the fact, then, that they're still spending? I mean, we're talking about the top salons, right? I'm not talking about... Auntie Ethel's in Peckham High Street, or uh, sure. or, or sat, you know, whatever. Auntie Ethel, if this. you're listening, yeah. So no, no disrespect. You, 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 you offer a great service to the community, Auntie. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, we're talking about this sort of the one percent of the salons, right, in, in the industry who who sort of making all the big noises, mm. and yet they can't seem to wake up to the fact that there really are um, there's no future for them, really. Mm. I, I would say. So why why are they not waking up to that fact then? Well, this is well, this is what the question I ask in the blog. Um, you know, obviously everyone on Facebook is is appalled by L'Oreal's behaviour in this because they see a, a, a private entity which is worth billions. That obviously, yeah. you know, in all recessions and pandemics, billionaires don't suffer, mate, do they? Let's yeah. face yeah. it. Um, but you know, L'Oreal are telling you in plain sight. They're they're telling you to your face that they mm. are going after your customers. And they are yeah. telling you exactly what you are going to do. They're, they're going to do. Um, but it, it, what the hairdressers don't seem to understand is that hairdressers are the real influencers. Yes. If you've got a clientele full of people, you've already got massive influence over and, your and this, clientele. And this is where the self-employed hairdresser, the mobile hairdresser, the is what you call them, right? They've got no law to these brands. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, that's right. Well, look, let, let's let's look at the timeline. Um, if it wasn't for us hairdressers, many brands would never have got into the, introducing 100%. products to their clients. 100%. So, you know, these brands, they took off on this trajectory on the back of hairdressers. And now, because the internet's come along, don't need hairdressers anymore. We're just going to give it to Kim Kardashian or Cheryl Cole from, you know, because she was a big yeah. influencer 10 years ago. That's, um, yeah, do you know right. what I mean? She, yeah. she had a four million pound a year L'Oreal contract. Well, yeah. they didn't need to do that in previous years. You know, they just basically put that money into salons. And, right? there, and there was this one salon, right, that did her hair. Okay, and mm. they, they and they sort of gravitated that as well, didn't they? They were like, "Look at us, we do Cheryl Cole's hair, mm. right?" You know, where are they now? They're bleating. They're bleating yeah. about the, um, the VAT. Yeah. So again, they they actually sort of shot their own, shot themselves in their own foot, really, basically. Yeah. I but say. I th I think the main the loop that we want to try and close is the fact that all of these factors have led to today and it's led to today's point where you've got the elite salons all complaining about VAT for the first time like they've never asked that question before no. and it's only today that they're like ah we're in real big trouble and we need the whole industry to bail us out and and this is why me and you uh, often go after them because they do attack freelance, self-employed. They do attack the, the, the small yeah. people in the industry um, uh, from that point of view of why the government taxing us? They should be taxing those people over there more rather than asking the question, yeah. the government should be cutting tax for all of us, not keeping our tax level the same and raising everyone below us you know, up to our level. Because let's face it, these big elite salons... 
They get preferential treatment from brands. They get favours from private companies. They get. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're, so that their their influence is of another level um, I mean, I, that I, I, shapes I, I, the industry. So those these people that have shaped our industry are now asking everybody else to oh, save them. And it's I know, like I, I, uh, I saw, it's difficult. I saw the, I saw the hypocrisy of the the hair hairdresser hair and barbering council, right? Because like, they, oh my god, this was hilarious. Yeah, do you want to set do you want to set them up then, Joe? Let everyone know what you're talking about here. Well, no, I, I, I mean, I, I saw like the, the hypocrisy is that they were. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's hilarious or not, right? But uh, they were sort of saying about the the freelancers. They they attacked us freelancers. Mm. We should be doing this. We should do this. They they gave us a guideline about how we should behave. Mm. And yet they did another posting. We're behind you. We support you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we're here for everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's what. Oh, no. Sorry. I thought you was referring to the email that they sent out asking people to renew because they oh, put no. their price up. Uh, no. Is it 80, 80% they put yeah, their prices yeah, we, up? We, yeah, but we and, touched about it. Did we talk about that before? Yeah, I think, I think we, yeah, we might yeah. have. But just to recap, yeah. 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 You know, these yeah. people that are there to support us are busy extracting money from us all the time. Yeah. And, and this, this goes back to my definition of the term industry. Industry refers to everyone in hairdressing that makes their money from hairdressers. This is, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, but, um, but so gotta, when you, you hear the term "save the industry," save it's save. really those that are extorting hairdressers are <laughs> asking to be saved by the hairdressers. But like you say, they've derided free. Like, they've basically their entire campaign of uh, regulation has all been born off the fact that you know there's freelancers and self-employed hairdressers out there that are bringing the standards down we're keeping the standards yeah. on the bottom that's by that's, regulations by regulations yeah, by regulations we can eliminate these people from our industry and charge more money yeah. that is and, their entire narrative and we at the same time we say we behind you we're yeah behind, and we're behind you. you sign up give us give us your 70 quids <laughs> i mean i think that's we'll stupid support you um, well i mean I know you and I aren't, but there's obviously ten thousand people out there that are paying this. Yeah, and they probably think we are stupid. They yeah. probably think we, you know, we we are actually a damage to the industry. Yeah, really. yeah. You know, I just don't understand. It. I really do not understand these people at all. I mean, there's there's sort of like you know Keith Collifer getting a lot of accolade lately. I've been sort of being really on the uh, LinkedIn. I dare mm. not. I, I really want to sort of comment on it, but I dare not, like, you know what I mean? I might get banned again. Well, it's bringing you know? politics into our industry that doesn't need politics. Right. This is why I keep talking about we're sovereign hairdressers. Yeah. You know, the yeah. politics and the bureaucracy doesn't affect us because we go to a client's house or a client comes to our salon, we cut their hair. Or to they pay us. Free life, they come to your house, not to the salon. Well, well I, I, I know what you mean. You know, whatever. Yeah. You know, whether you're freelancer working out of a salon, yeah. Yeah. You know, whether you're self-employed and, you you know, you're a session hairdresser or someone like... None of this... And like I say, I was a session hairdresser for 10 years. None of this political mumbo-jumbo was even on my radar. I just went to work, did hair, come home, spent time with my kids and family. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like there yeah. was none of this political nonsense going on. And I do find a lot of time, a lot of this political posturing is a complete distraction and and people do need to focus on their own business stop asking for support from other people 
And and like the conclusion from the last show, you know, if you're not downsizing your business, then you deserve to fail. That's right. No, I, I, I agree with you. I, t- I totally agree. You know, which is why I keep asking the question because you know we know someone quite well because we we actually sort of met up with her a, a couple of times and and, and you know they, and you know sort of like we we had meetings with her and um, and she's got a PR. Why would you have a PR, your influencer? Mm. And then you moan about the VAT, you moan about um, mm. the, the, the costing and things like, you know. In any business, right, you eliminate the, 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 the sort of people who are not bringing any money in for a yeah, start. you separate right? the wheat from the chaff, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and I kind of think that these, these top salons, right, I don't understand why they need influencers. Mm. Why do they need to go on Instagram, Twitter? Yeah, they've got a massive clientele. They got massive support from the brands. Okay, they got massive mm. presence. Okay, yeah, reputation. They get, thing. they get free advertising. Well, that and they pay. Well, that they it. probably pay thousands of pounds for a month in in PR. And, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. They, so they, you know, let's talk about the one percent in the industry, right? They have a massive chunk of the um, of the business, mm. and yet they're all complaining about sort of like their their um, their business being diminished, um, mm. decimated. And yet they've got these unnecessary expenses. Why can't they not get the understand, right? Get rid of everything. Like your friend John Cognano done recently, you, you told me, right? Mm. Yeah, get back to basics. Back to basics, I yeah. I don't, I don't understand why can't they can't do that, really. Really can't understand that. For, for the love of God. You know, I'm, I'm not attacking them because I love attacking them. But I just don't understand their business model. Mentality. Well, yeah, it's the mentality. Is it more of a mentality of, you know, once you've got to a stage where you grow so big, any kind of uh, any kind of shrink in that business size, is it an ego thing getting in the way? Like that's, you know, no, that's, I, that's failure. I, if I shrink my business, if I move premises, if I go to a slightly cheaper location, I mean, is that a, an admission of failure? Or, no, totally, or what? I, I th- I think that well, I think these top salons, right, in the, in the last sort of 15, 20 years, I would sort of say, that like you were sort of saying with the big brand, right, they got sort of propped up, supported, promoted, pushed by these by yeah. the brands, right, and and they got so lazy. And in, now the in, brands have removed that support. Well, and they the haven't removed it, but they haven't removed it. I see this, they're still there. But well, not removed not, it, but they're you know they're not it, as powerful, yeah. and powerful as they once were. Because now, and we, now we've got a million brands, haven't we? Now that right, you know, it, it, it's it, never it, been it's, easier to be an individual brand. And, and I think they actually forgot how to sort of like operate. I actually believe like they forgot how to build a clientele. Mm-hmm. I really do believe that, uh, and that's their. That's the biggest fear is that what do they do next? Yeah, and and that's that's where I feel, I feel sorry for them really, and plus you know I, I like I said to you they're too old they're too old to change. Well, this is it. It's status quo, isn't it? It's about yeah. having the inability to change and to adapt yeah. to a changing marketplace. And obviously, with the internet, you know, it has rendered a lot of people's business models uh, different, but. I want to finish the show on a positive note, Joe, which yeah. is in 10 years' time, mm. we're still going to be cutting hair. That's you know, right. our jobs aren't at risk to robots. That's right. And people need to understand this. You know, Jeff Bezos is famously famously quoted saying that people always ask him, 
oh, what's the next thing? In 10 years' time, what's the thing I can get ahead of the curve of now? And Jeff Bezos, he says, he says, that's really the wrong question to ask. He says the correct question to ask is, what is not going to change in 10 years' time? Because then you can build a business yeah. around that because it's not, you know, it'll still be there in 10 years' time. That's right. Um, and, and my conclusion to the blog, really, uh, inflation is inevitable, so leverage your influence, is really about understanding the changing face of the high street, the changing face of, um, you know, hairdressing and mm -hmm. beauty salons. We will be the only things on the high street next to the entertainment things, such as restaurants, coffee shops. There, you know, there won't be Topshop there. Debenhams have just been bought out by Boohoo. That's right. And Boohoo went, no, we'll just have your website. We don't want the start shop. Do you know what I mean? Right. Retail yeah. sales is going to be a thing of the past. You know, you might, st you obviously, you'll still be able to go to Tesco's and Waitrose and, yeah. you know, wherever, where, all of those supermarkets. But window shopping, is, window shopping, forget it. Window, forget window shopping, shopping, forget it, because it yeah. costs too much money. Yeah. However, right. obviously, you know, I've got skin in the game here. We go salon. You know, if you want to leverage that influence that you've got, then start doing retail using the internet, That's using right. Go Salon. Go Salon makes that really easy for you. And if we understand that inflation is 10% of a year and you're earning extra money from doing the retail, which is not costing you anything, it's not costing your customers any more than they would normally pay, but you're getting a commission off every single sale, then you can prevent that inflation having such a major dramatic effect on your business. Have you, have you got um, a sort of like a video on your go sound to explain? I think some people don't really understand how it operates, does it? Do you, yeah, do you think? Um, well, yeah, there is a video on YouTube and it's called Sca Go Salon Scan to Ship. And essentially we've created a smart retail wall, um, which is a wall of products which have QR codes on them. So when the client is in the salon, they get recommended a hair product by their hairdresser. If that client wants to take it there and then, they can buy it from the hairdresser and take it there and then. However, if they don't want to take it there and then and they want to get it shipped to their home, they can scan a QR code, buy the product and voila. It's and how would it work, how it work for a freelancer, the mobile hairdresser? The mo it works on it works on every level, John. So, uh, so it, it works at it, every level for John because you know he has customers that can scan the code through the window while the salon's closed right. and buy the product. Right, you know right. he's got customers, um, he's got freelancers that work in the salon that have their own individual go salons, for example, um, so they can share links from their handset. You know, this is the future of retail. And for those people that don't quite understand it, you need to. Because yeah. this could be very, very important. 10 years, say your, say 10% of your revenue over the next 10 years is from um, referral commissions from retail sales. What, that's going to that's gonna earn you so much money over the next 10 years. You know, 10% on your turnover is how many staff's wages is that? Do you know what I mean? How many customers, clients is that? Well, and that, that's well, all that was, coming from an inanimate object, which is on a wall. Well, that's how, that's how brands just sort of sell it to the salons. I, you know, you, 30% of your income could come from retail. Right? Totally. Which, which was complete fallacy. That was a complete fallacy, mate. It was, you know, yeah. It, it was. was. 
But that was that was how they did the maths. Yeah, they worked out yeah. the maths. Yeah, you get thirty percent, but it was like thirty percent of the profit. And then when you actually worked it out, it was yeah. like thirty percent of the ten percent, and then the ten percent. You know, so they did. They a lot of the salesmen they did blind people with the numbers yeah um and you know they are complicit in that um yeah. you know yeah, i used to work easy. one of these brands so i know exactly how that works <laughs> oh listen mate i i'm coming to my to me left right so trying to tell me it you know what i mean yeah and uh, 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 you know and and they actually forgot about the hairdresser they literally did forget about it because yeah. you know they had a big shelf in there yeah. and they think right that could i can make more money less headache from from the shelf than uh, from a hairdresser yeah yeah what i found in the last year or so of using go salon is you know customers appreciate the convenience of it they literally get their phone scan the scan the code buy the product it's that simple and that's because they're not loyal to one product either are they they're not yeah the freelancer and the salon doesn't have to be loyal to one product they can be loyal to every brand and every product that they love do you know what i mean And, and when you love a product You'll never sell the product because and, and there I'm, you are, freelancers. Yeah. You've got so, a, you've got a salon in your pocket. You've got a salon in your pocket. You've got a retail shelf that is available for people to buy from you twenty four seven, not just the nine hours a day that your salon's open. No, no, well, well done. You know, it's it's it's, it's listen. It's the, it is a future. I agree with you. It is it is a, uh, the future of shopping, and, and at the same time, it's making it much easier. It, really it does. does makes everything easier and, and like i say it's a it's like a passive income generator in a way because yeah which everybody wants you know yeah. i i speak to you about having an asset and not a liability yeah. uh you know an asset is a taxi a liability is a car do you yeah. know what i mean the car costs you money every single month but that car that you turn into a taxi brings you money every yeah. month it brings you profit every month and this is the same thing you already use hair dryers. You already use brushes. You already love the products you use. If your customer says to you, it's my wife's birthday next week. I need to get her a new set of straightening irons. What ones do you recommend? Now, as a guy, guys ain't got the first clue. So they'll just you just go, there you go. I'll share you this link or scan that code. It will buy you the ones that are perfect for your wife's hair. Job done. How lazy are us guys when it comes to, you know, buying buying the missus, like, birthday presents? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. we, we want that quick solution. And that's a quick solution. That's just one scenario. Yeah, no, listen, I'm, I, I agree with you. On, on that note, Aaron. Yes. What's going to go on LinkedIn, Joe? You're supposed to be hosting the show this week. You're supposed to be doing all these things. I know, I Hang know, on. I know. There we go. Ding. Right, next. So what's, what's got you going on uh, LinkedIn this week, Joe? Nothing. I've just been very quiet to most of you, mate. I'm really, How comes? really happy. If anything, I've actually been sort of like being more on Facebook, actually, being able to, uh, 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 sort of like, because, uh, mm. you know, I'm on this sort of like uh, Facebook, like, well, people don't know, but you don't know, right? I'm on, on this sort of group, the Ducati 748 Owners Club. Oh, right? here we go. No, no, no. Yeah, go on then. Yeah, go uh, on. Anyway, this guy saw like um, it, it, it. It took a post of his bike. It's all I said. I had a blast in, 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 in 
you know, uh, sort of same day. And so I said, oh, where are you blasting? He goes, France. He goes, oh, the road. It just, basically speaking, right, it, it was just so sort of saying, right, how the, how the roads in London, in England are shit compared to France. Which I, I've got, <laughs> it's I true. don't dispute. It's, it's true. true. I've 100%. driven through France and France is beautiful place and to as you know from. my history, right, I've been across Europe on my motorbike and cars throughout my whole life. I totally agree. But there are some great roads in England too. There's some amazing roads. It's just they're full of roundabouts, traffic lights, and yeah, and certain roads, right? It's certain roads, which I can tell. Anyway, I've been having a ding dong with him. You know what I mean? Anyway, we because we're bikers, we all agree to agree. There was no animosity in in the thing, right? I just sort of gave my reasons. And he goes, well, you still have to agree, mate, that rides in France a thousand times better. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yep, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So that was it, really. On that note. Yeah, um, totally. Um, right, well, this is Sparkles, the little pony, signing out. <laughs> and this is Joe Mehmet. Yeah. From Sunny Easington. Till next time, mate. Yeah. Nice to, nice to speak to you, Joe. Um, yeah, right. um, find us on Salonomics. Type that into Google. You'll find us everywhere. I'll put in the show notes links to my uh, blog that uh, came out last Saturday. Uh, But I've also got another blog coming out today. And maybe we'll touch on this in the next show um, where I really explore the case against VAT in hair and beauty. Um, Which which I take a deep dive into the origins of that and, you know, why it's... Why it's there, and essentially, I, I, sh- I think we should ex- explore that. Actually, why? How did it come into? Uh, well, this is what I do in the blog. So my blog's yeah. scheduled to go out tonight. Um, so if you want to get a, um, if you want to get ahead of the, the crowd and, and and read that, but yeah, I go into things like where that comes from, why it was introduced into society in the first place, and I want to explore. How on earth we got lumped into this vat bucket of doing haircuts and, and charging on it. So, yeah. yeah, that's next time. Okay, brilliant. All right, mate. Look forward to it. All right, then, mate. Speak to you Take soon. Okay. Bye bye. Ta da.